Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. Miami-based singer-songwriter Judah Holiday delivers a timeless breed of pop music full of infectious melodies and hypnotic beats, a dynamic that makes every track instantly euphoric. On his forthcoming debut LP, that warm and breezy sound serves as a backdrop for his deeply reflective lyrics, and it ultimately turns his unflinching honesty, honesty into something powerfully life-affirming. The lead single from Holiday's debut, Good Life, one of my favorite songs, by the way, it's been one of my favorite songs for the past probably four or five weeks, uh, brings his nuanced songwriting to a piano-laced and impossibly sunny track sparked from a 2018 stint in rehab. Co-produced and co-written by Kevin Rudolph, Good Life brilliantly counters the bleakness of rehab with the brightness of sobriety. A contrast brought boldly to life in the song's riveting video. Judah Holiday, welcome to Growth Mindset University, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. How'd you first start working with Kevin? How do you how do you know Kevin? Our, our not, mutual friend here, a friend of the podcast. That was, I know. Is one of my I mean, that's how we that's how we were introduced as well. Oh, is that right? I mean, because you heard you heard the interview with right, Kevin, right? Right, exactly. And you, that's true. Right, and you right, and you right, reach right. out. So that's true. I did because you work with Kevin. So I how? work with Kevin. I'm also a fan of yours, and like you're, you know, it's a lot of people say sometimes like you have like a great, uh, you have a great voice for radio. I told you that right in the beginning. You're just very very mature. But anyway, um, the way I met Kevin was kind of sneaky. Um, I heard he was I heard he was selling. Um, a few of his guitars and a friend of mine knew him, but like my, my friend, like didn't want to really like introduce me to him yet. Cause like, he didn't know if it was going to go over well. So I was like, F this, like, I was like, yeah, I'll take one of his guitars. So what I did was I, I went to, the, to his studio and, and, um, deliberately left my wallet in the car so that I could have forgotten my wallet so that the following day I could get back there 
without my friends. Like I had planned out this whole thing. So it what it, what ended up happening was I asked him, you know, I, I started playing like a couple of my songs and my friend was there. So like he wasn't able to get so into it. And then like once my time was up, I was like, you know what? I just, I think I forgot my wallet at home. Do you mind if I come tomorrow? And he's like, sure. <laughs> so I got back the next day with some money for the guitar. I bought like the cheapest guitar. I was so surprised he had it. It was like, it was an awful guitar. <laughs> but um, I bought it. Um, and uh, But before I bought it, I played him like a few more songs and just wanted to like, I invested in my musical career by doing that. I spent a few hundred bucks to get in front of a person who, um, who like, you know, who, who really could help me out. And honestly, if I didn't have the courage to do that sort of like sneaky act, um, I don't know, like maybe like things wouldn't have turned out. I have also been honest with him and told him that that's, you know, like why we've become very close, right. but, but that's how we met. We met because, you know, I, I posed as an interested person to uh, buy his guitar Meanwhile, I was really just interested in trying to, like, have a shot at his, like, ears for, like, five minutes without, like, just uninterrupted, just to play a few songs. I played a couple songs, and um, I think his wife was also there, Shauna, or his fiance rather. And and she took a liking to, to my music, too, so I think she might have, like, coaxed him and stuff like that because he hears a lot of great stuff all the time. You know, it's like... But then after, you know, after I left, that's when, like, I started really, like, just constantly messaging him, not taking no for an answer, just, like, being okay with being that annoying person that just will not stop messaging you until you give them what they want. I mean, literally, that's, like, how... I mean, that's how I met my wife. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know... It's um it's hard to be persistent, but it really does pay off. But it's really hard because it's also sometimes embarrassing. Like for me, it's not. It's just like how I'm wired. But like when I can't imagine needing to be this like awkwardly persistent and it not come natural. It just must be so hard. Uh, but for me, it's just like, I don't know. Like I was always like a young, like naggy kid who like just like always asked for things. And like if you don't, you know, but as I grew older... I sort of sort of directed it in in certain ways like that might be more appropriate for my age rather than like trying to complain that I can't get like some ice cream or something. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, I love the persistence because I can really relate to it as someone who in a similar fashion, you know, I try to surround myself with the most, you know, as cliché as it sounds, the most successful people in the world and I do. But sometimes I get the no. You know, I like, I remember, you know, I've reached out to Seth Godin now twice. He's one of my favorite writers and, you know, marketers in the world. And I just really admire his work. Right. And a lot of people do. And uh, I've gotten a no from him twice. So each time I kind of like interpret it very differently. I'm like, wow, I am, I am one no closer to a yes. I mean, uh, like, like every day. Closer? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Are, did you, were there times that like, you know, he left you on red or something? Oh my God. Like he, it's not just him. Like 
first of all, I have the most supportive parents and wife and family like that I could have asked for. Like they, they really support my passion. Um, and it's not, and it's not, um, like sort of like, it's like not normal in a way how much support I have. So that like right there is very, very helpful. I remember as, as young as like being 15 driving to different record labels with my mom and like playing, paying off like the parking attendant to try and give them like one of my CDs or not knowing why people are turning down my music when everyone else is saying it's great, you know, but on a commercial level, it's different. And the reality is, is that I hadn't paid my dues yet. You know, like I always, I always wondered why I wasn't there yet. By there, I think it means making money off of this craft. Like, I think that that's what people uh, sometimes consider, you know, making it because unfortunately you, people need to earn, you know, a living. And, but for me, it was more about getting some sort of like validation that I was good, I think, rather than so much of the money side of it. But, you know, like with regards to Kevin, um, yeah, he would like, I remember just like messaging him tons and tons of times and him saying like, you know, I just, I don't really work so much with, you know, with others like that because it's the truth. He really doesn't. He was working, he's working on his own stuff. He's writing a book. He was writing a, a movie, you know, and like, I, I feel like my entire life, I've always tried to be this person that leaves like this lasting impression on someone. And, and I left one on Kevin and, and, and maybe like, that's like the only person I left a lasting impression on. Yeah. Like my family, my wife, but I'm talking about like one where they're like, you know what, let's stop everything and let's work. And that's when I feel like I actually made something out of myself. I was able to like get somebody that I actually listened to and know words by heart and have covered his songs. Like, you know, it was, it's like really amazing. And now when I like watch interviews, it's like, I know what that feels like when they talk about getting signed or working with Drake or whoever, like for me, it's not how much fame a person has. It's how much of an impact they've made on me. You know, like I just FaceTimed Gavin DeGraw, who's literally my number one yeah. fan. I mean, yeah, I love, I'm his number Kevin. one fan. Yeah. So, so Kevin and Gavin were hanging out one day and like Kevin, I saw a FaceTime from Kevin. It was like Gavin and it was just like crazy. You know, and like that right there was just like the ultimate experience for me. It's really amazing. Fantastic. Why did you even first start working in music or even like, you know, I guess from a young age, you said you were 15. I wouldn't call it really working. I'd call it, you know, a passion project, a lot of fun. Probably, right. 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 You mean like when did I decide yeah. to like eat McDonald's for oh. five years and, and just like <laughs> basically say I can't do anything else? Is, is that what happened? I mean, not really, but but it, it does happen. So you might as well like, you know, mention that because there are situations where so so I would say about five years ago, I really began pursuing it like heavily mm -hmm. where I would constantly write 
you know, it trans transferred from a passion to like, it's ironic, like right when I got married, that's when I began actually pursuing it, which is funny. why do you think that is? I think because of my wife is so supportive. Yeah. I think it's because she like, she's a type of person that's like, play me that song again and again and again. Nope. Your voice cracked. No, not you sound like crap there. Do it again. Do it again. Like, you know, and she, she tells you, she tells you, you sound oh like my, crap sometimes. Oh my God. She, she'll, shre- she'll shred me. That's great. It's so rare that I stun her. You know what I mean? Like, because she just is so used to hearing it from zero, from the zero point to like the finished product. So her judgment's not just clouded. It's just like, God, it's crazy. But what she has to sort of like deal with when it comes to like writing new music, being a soundboard for me. Um, But I never thought about it that way, but but when I got married, that's when I really that's when she started her uh, career in nutrition, and that's when I decided to give up sort of my um, business and web design and, and creative design. And oh, you're doing that too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like everyone <laughs> did that. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. You know, like I, I was working and like I know how to, you know, like I could do some basic programming and stuff like that, but you know, nothing That's that hilarious. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I had so. So what did you, did you just like you stumbled upon a supportive partner or was that something that you you were looking for and intentional about? So this is my second marriage. I got married very young. I got married when I was like 21. Mm, wow, uh, my age. Okay. Yeah, I got married. And then I got, and then like we broke up five months later. Oh, just, no way. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, is that it, it worked out for the best. Everything that sort of like, um, I read a quote like the other day about how like, what, like everything that felt so like horribly wrong in the past ended up like working out for the best or something like that. But yeah, so that happened. And then, you know, I took like, you know, and then I, and then I waited like, you know, a significant amount of time. I moved down from New York city to Florida. I wanted a, a fresh start. And, um, I met Leanna in, in a, in a travel agency. She was working. She just got out of college. She just, moved to Miami. She took a job that, you know, she, she needed something to pay her bills. And I, and I was doing like, you know, uh, cruise ship sales or whatever it was. And, and, and whatever. And we were friends for a long time and, and it sort of blossomed from that. I would say. Right. You, you, it's interesting. You and Kevin are both from New York, New York then, yeah. and then and then moved to moved to Miami, Miami right? Totally. Interesting. What is there anything? I mean, like I guess there's just a lot of creative talent in Miami. Is or is there any specific reason? Um, I didn't move down here to pursue songwriting. I moved down here because I, uh, you know, like I, it was familiar. I had come here for like spring break and winter break during school, and it was just like my grandparents had lived you know, down here. So it was just sort of like a comfortable transition. And that's really what brought me down, just like a change of pace. And then once, like, once I was not like flustered by just like honking horns and just like buses and trains and, you know, people screaming, like the actual city life or like in his song in this city, you know, like, it's just, it's really, it's really anxiety provoking. 
it's really hard to focus. Although New York is a massive place for writing, as well as LA, I would say that Miami is the tamest one of all. Do you think so? No, really? maybe like Nashville is probably. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because like it's it. There's I think it's because like a lot of the corporate labels and stuff like that are just like not here. It's they're all like kind of like New York, LA stuff like that, and I don't know. I just yeah, I feel like it's more chilled out here. Yeah. So I wanna I I wanna dive into something else from your intro. The one of the one of the bigger things in there that yeah. I mentioned. You know, you were in rehab. Yes. Right. So what exactly? Of course, you know, I'm asking this question already knowing the answer, but what were you in rehab for? <laughs> so I was in rehab for abusing Adderall and also for abusing uh, cannabis. Okay. Uh, but but the reality is, is that it's it's the Adderall that really brought me over the edge or sent me over the edge. So when did you start taking Adderall? So I started taking Adderall when I was about like eight. I Eight? Eight or nine, I think. Dude, I didn't know what it was until I was 18. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or or a variation at least of it. Okay. Maybe it was like, like Ritalin back then, you mm. know, or something else. But a stimulant. I remember like being in like third, third fourth grade maybe. So from a very young age – from like a medical perspective, like I, I was, um, sort of like brought up not by my parents to believe, but by like the doctors I saw that I needed like this aid in order to help me achieve, you know, what I'm looking to achieve. And the truth is, is that even with it, I still was like a horrible student, but I, you know, aside from the fact that it's extremely addictive and, it, it was almost like this like security blanket for me where it's like if I didn't take it, like I would feel like I couldn't do anything. And there were like periods of times throughout of like high school and college where I would take a break from it and, and sort of like come back to it. Always, the, I've, I've never abused it, you know, off of a prescription. In fact, I never really on paper abused it because I have such a low tolerance. You know, I, I really went into rehab to, to get off of like 15 years of being on it. You know, it's not like I was like crushing it up and snorting it or like baking cakes with it or whatever it was. So what ended up happening was, you know, as I continued um, using it throughout, you know, my, 20s and into my into this songwriting thing it began giving me like this energy to like to to spend a lot of hours awake and and with that came like a crash and me being like very hot tempered and argumentative and it got to a point where then I began mix so so I'm like I'm like a mental health you know person you know like I so I was always on something to like keep my mood stabilized and I really wanted to try something more organic. So I started with CBD oil and didn't feel anything. And then I went to a doctor and he was like, let's take you off of whatever I was on 
and and start using cannabis because like it's legal here in Miami. Um, and in the beginning, it was fine um, until like I again started getting dependent on that the same way I was dependent on all these medications and all that stuff, and and the 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 straw I guess the straw that broke the camel's back was was the combination of the two at the level that that a person who becomes like immune to it for so long gets like my my kidneys began stopped functioning you know and my kidneys stopped functioning well um I became very dehydrated like I literally almost died in a way so I went to the hospital and I was like flushed out I, you know I was fine and and you know it was like was it from like a an, an episode or was it a buildup that you went to? I think it was level? a bit. No, it was like a buildup. There was never an overdose and there was never, I've never like, there was never an overdose. You know what I mean? Like it was just like this constant buildup of like not drinking enough water, constantly using the vape pen. And oh man. Yeah. It was just, so like I began literally going crazy. And now like I'm reading more about the the combination. It's like a horrible combination. Like, People really can get very sick. So, so I, you know, my dad going to rehab for Adderall has always sort of like been something that I feel like was like in the back of, of my parents' mind because they never really wanted me on it at later in life. When I feel like a few years ago, they began seeing like the true negative side effects and began to like really actively try and get me to stop. And there would be times where I would, um, you know, like tell them I stopped, but I didn't. And it, so it just got to a point where I, I was in the hospital and like, I was very scared for my life. Cause like I, I felt okay, but the, the blood tests were telling me something different. And it, I was just like, Oh, you know, so like I needed to go and get clean and like realize that everybody that's in my life right now is in my life because they want to be. They don't need to be. I'm not like this controlling individual, even on the music side. Like I, everybody has the ability to sort of like leave and do whatever they want. Like I'm just not that type of person that that wants somebody present if they don't want to be there. So it, it was very hard for me to leave my wife and my dogs specifically because I'm very close to all of them um, and my parents, but. I did and I went for 30 days and it was just like really hard, very hard. It was like much more, um, it was much more difficult than I thought. I thought it was going to be a lot more like lush and like, you know, um, just kind of like, like a hotel type yeah, thing. Yeah. But it was like really when, like jail at times. Like When was that? It was in, um, I think it was in November of 2018. Okay. Wow. So as, so probably like eight like, months ago. Yeah. Something like that. Wow. So since then you're. Since then I recorded a, an entire album. I released a music video and a single that has already gotten over a hundred thousand YouTube views and Solid. about 80,000 spins. And you know, like we're, I got, I signed a record deal. I, you know, like I, I got, so like I'm. And you're not on that crap. No. Well, here's, here's what's crazy because. I have a little reminder there. 
Oh, really? What's that say? That that says November 4th, 2018. For people that can't see this, that's a tattoo. It's a a tattoo of Roman numerals, just so that people, you know, keep it a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. Well, here's what's what's interesting that you say. You felt fine and didn't realize that you had a problem, but the the blood test and, like, the true vital like health signs of right. your body not- were completely telling you different. But and just about everyone I know, like I not everyone, I'm generalizing, but a lot of people that I know, I'm 21 years old, and they are and they're students and they're taking Adderall. Like so it is it is rampant. And yeah. I and people are I see people like selling it and like one person with a prescription selling it and then like you know and then they're then they're smoking too like just about everyone who's doing adderall is, co- is combining well, it yeah yeah it's horrible it's it's really really bad like people i don't think people realize what they're doing to themselves they don't they don't because it's like it's not like alcohol where you drink too much and then you barf and you get sick you know it's not like that it's it, just like cigarettes aren't like that you know, like it takes time. And, and with this, it's like maybe one day you'll drink enough water. Or maybe one day you'll, you know, not smoke as much or you may not take a full dose. But like it's very dangerous. And I think that, um, you know, I, I don't want it to sound cliche, but the reality is, is that when people say I don't want it to sound cliche, it's just because it's really true what they're saying. Like it's a ve- it's a very... Um, you get blindsided by it, you know, and, and sort of like ever it seems as though everybody around you is able to tolerate it. But the reality is, is that everyone around me wasn't doing what I was doing at the capacity at which I was doing it. Mm-hmm. They weren't taking the combination that I was taking. They weren't, you know what I mean? So I think it's very important to not feel like, Oh, um, I don't want to be that guy that's like, you know, against this or that. But the reality is, is that there, someone's got to do it. And I think that it's great that you're talking about this on the show because, you know, the reason they say hindsight is twenty twenty. It's like let's try and prevent those scenarios. Yeah, if we well, can. Yeah, well, I really, really wanted to talk about this on the show because I think it's such an important issue. I know so many people, as I mentioned, that are that are on this. And statistically speaking, the people that are listening to this, odds are that someone right. is is struggling with this right now, and they're not seeing the hidden dangers right. of taking Adderall. That's really what it is: hidden dangers. And I, I just urge, I really urge people to. Go and do the research. Like I, you know, I would go on PubMed.gov all the time and you can find anything on there. I would look up like nutrition and cancer, arthritis and nutrition. And you could look up, I'm sure you could find stuff on, you know, research, all sorts of research studies on Adderall on there. I would highly recommend like educating yourself because I, I don't know that I, you know, I'm going to make a bold statement. I don't know that even people that are prescribed it need it. I think no, a lo- they no, they don't. <laughs> I don't have, I don't, I don't have ADD. We found out oh. at least in the adult, the adult version. I, I, I took a test when I was there in rehab and it turned out that I did not have it. The reality is, is I just needed like 
more confidence in myself. You know, like math is hard to some people. You don't have ADD if you're daydreaming in math class because it's boring. Like, well, yeah, dude, it just no means like you, you're daydreaming in math class. The teacher's like reading right. out of the have you exactly. It's right. like it's like, like nobody <laughs> nobody like takes like the the like the peripheral you know like setting in in place. It's like. Daniel was daydreaming during algebra, like, but they weren't like Mrs. So-and-so was reading in monotone and didn't raise her head from the book for 48 minutes and sounded like she was just like, you know, waking up. That wasn't in the report. (laughs) And it wasn't in the report that like there were trains running by and that people are screaming and all that. It's just so like, I think that it's like this easy way to diagnose a person uh with like an uh, like with like this umbrella disease right and i'm not putting down people who actually have adhd or add because because if you do and you take adderall it has the opposite effect it's a paradox people that have attention deficit and hyperactive disorder adhd do not respond the way the people that take Adderall like I did or the people that are buying it do. Those people don't buy Adderall because they don't get that high that we get. They get calm. So, 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 and, and they're, and people that really need, that's who it's meant for. Like a tremendous, I guess, you know, deficiency in, in some sort of their neurotransmitters where, where there's such a lack of whatever it is that that they're lacking that 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 bump gets them to like a even keeled state and not like a hyperactive state it turns us into ADHD patient patients and it turns them normal so oh. so that's what is so um sort of like something important to know that when people buy Adderall it's cuz they they don't have ADD they don't need to focus they want they want that, like, I don't know how to describe it. I don't want to say everyone wants to get high, but it's like Adderall will make you sit and focus on whatever it is that you're focusing on. The problem is, is that for people without ADHD, it's like I would – some of the things I focused on were crazy. Like I have a video of me trying to plug in a HDMI cable into my TV without looking. So I have to find it. Like I was like recording like these crazy videos of just like how inebriated I got from it. So really it's horrible, but I'm clean now as a whistle. That's great. That's great, man. I bet I've accomplished so much. It's crazy. It's amazing what I've done. How do you like, how does your, how does your body feel, man? I mean, like, I feel healthy. Like it's right. there are times when when it's like, I just have to. I was always on such a high every day from this that I needed to realize that some days, like if you wake up a little tired or just like not motivated, it's just like part of life. And it yeah. doesn't mean that you're severely depressed, and it doesn't mean that you, you know, need you know another set of pills. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, so I'm, you, you know, like I'm, I'm doing great. Well, I think it's really important to note and just, just be aware. I mean, my father is a general surgeon. My mother's a nurse. I have 
uh, uncles that are doctors as well, uh, chiropractors. And, you know, the way that, you know, we're taught in medical school nowadays and, you know, doctors admit to this, father admits to this, you know, it's just what happens. We're very, they're very prescription happy. Like that's kind of what they're taught how to do is prescribe drugs rather than, rather than attack it at the root cause and consider the, you know, the peripheral uh, whatever's as you would, the peripheral uh, factors, I guess, as you had mentioned, Uh, you know, like going for a holistic long-term solution is very often not within their training. Um, so it just right because they're not osteo- osteopathic physicians. They're usually medical doctors. Not to say that mm-hmm. that doctors of osteopathy are are only you know. Not to say that holistic approaches are are the only way. There are just certain diseases that require like like a chemical intervention. And yeah. but but they were taught to heal with medicine rather than, I don't know, like to heal with plants or whatever the other. Certainly. So I want to get a little bit more into uh, your, your music because of course I love your music and I asked Kevin. Yeah. And I asked Kevin this question, you know, like what's your creative process? Like, Uh you know, do you sit down and write a song? Do you just do that? Or do you have a ritual? I never, I never sit down and write a song ever. Tell me. Meaning, like, I never, I never say, okay, I'm gonna sit down and write a song. It, it never happens that way. I never do it. It always is like, I'm in the car or the shower, and the same way a stomach ache will just creep on you, you'll just be there, and all of a sudden you're like, here we are on top of the world, <laughs> just gonna know, you know, like just like just like that. Yeah. And then, and then you got to run to like your nearest phone, and like grab the voice note, and then you just like record it in, and 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 from there it's like okay, I got something, and you've got like the hook or the majority of the song, and then and then it like remains a voice note for some time until you decide to finish it. It's so true what Kevin always says, how it's... it takes like eighty percent there in like two seconds. Yep. And then, like, I mean, like, I still have voice notes that are 80% there that, like, I just haven't – I wrapped up my first album, and and I have, like, so much more material that I – but maybe it will be on my next album. But it's – it's for me, I never, like, say, okay, I'm going to sit and write today. It's just, like, as a writer, um, melody melodies just pop in my head. Um, I mean, there are some scenarios where – I need to finish a song, so we'll sit and, you know, we'll finish. But I really am not into forcefully writing because it does come natural. Yeah, so I, you know, you kind of you have it, like you put it in the voice note and it's like 80% done as, as I remember Kevin saying. And, and then you just kind of let it marinate? Yeah, like if it's, it depends. Like if it's, um, well, I was, I, I, because yeah. like I, I, I'm never in a rush to see. I wasn't always in a rush to release music, which is the wrong thing to do. You know, you you need to put out music and content for fans to to consume. Um, but for me, like I, I would just record it and keep it, and that's and, and what ended up happening was, you know, when I, 
you know, once like I got signed and then um, I have a manager and I have a whole team now working with me and like these people that are connected with even bigger labels and stuff like that. It's just like then I'm able to unleash all these voice notes and songs and it's just like where is all this coming? It's really cool because like I didn't just like rush, write and pump it out. And my album is like a culmination of let's say like a year or two of writing um, and yeah, well, that's really well. There's such a thing as as I've come to learn since interviewing Kevin, and it kind of just connected in my head because I read this book by Adam Grant, organizational psychologist. There is such a thing as strategic procrastination, right? Where like you you know you give yourself some time to think about it and and let things kind of form and come together naturally, rather than just kind of like rushing right right yeah i like it can be it's really hard to explain especially since i didn't write the book but i would just just look up like strategic procrastination adam grant and like people will people will find that i'm not sure what i'm not sure what you'll find but i'm, I'm sure it'll come up like there's a real it's a real thing and i believe in it and i kind of i i utilize it sometimes i utilize my strategic procrastination let things marinate and just right come together in my mind right and, yeah so seems sensible. Seems legit. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, for you, you know, what's next? You got the album coming so out. My, so actually tonight I'm I'm recording one of three videos. Tonight I'm recording where I'm shooting the all that I got tonight music video in uh, Fort Lauderdale and and uh, on Wednesday, so I have four a total of four singles on this album. And we're shooting the videos for those for the remaining three singles this week. So I have a busy week, and um, you know that I'm going to LA at the end of the month uh, to do some press there. And it's really just, um, you know, it's amazing. Like I thought that getting a record deal, you know, is what I needed in order to like achieve whatever success. It's so much more work beyond that. It's like not even funny money. Like it's not even about money. It's like, you just need to be persistent the same way I was with Kevin with this and, and you're just doing it at a different scale. And hopefully, you know, like hopefully it catches on. And if it doesn't, you continue trying. Cause this is like all that I got. Oh, I got. Yeah. <laughs> no we both finished the sentence. Yeah. That's, and that's the uh, single. I think by the time that this, by the time that this episode comes out, the, the single will be out and I'll have it in the show notes, uh, jordanparis.com slash we'll make it slash Judah. And I'll make a note too. And, you know, so I want to talk about some of the songs on that album, it, yeah. uh, you know, in one of the songs you say, it's a crazy world, but I ain't no Superman. You know, where did the inspiration for that whole song come from? I think it's I think it's just called Superman. It's right? called Superman. Yeah, yeah. Yep. What what, um, what struck it? What what made what was well, the wrote, what was the moment? So I wrote that song with um, with Josh Snyder, who's my co-write on many songs and also my 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 manager, my main manager. Um, he's an excellent writer. Um, and he, and he and I just wanted to write a song about, um, making it okay that, that, you know, you're not, 
that that you aren't invincible and making it okay that you know failure failures and and other struggles are okay to sort of um happen and 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 the reason they shouldn't bring you down is because it would be i mean imagine if somebody thought that that everything that they do like would be successful that would be some really irrational and insane thought process so that doesn't happen ever really right everyone makes mistakes and it was just sort of like a just like it's kind of like a song about being okay with yourself and being okay with you know not being superman and and you don't got to do it all yeah yeah you can't you know just like that. Love it, man. It's yeah, it's uh it's one of my favorites on there as well. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I like that one a lot. The and the, the last two and the the preview Dropbox file you sent me because then the other yeah. one, the last one on there is Sunshine in the Room. And I'm a sucker for love songs and <laughs> just sweet songs. Like it's a sweet song. I I just I'm a guy, but like I love that stuff. I have a soft spot. I right, really do. I know a lot of guys are like like you know, I can't, I can't listen to that. Right, exactly. <laughs> you no, know? well, what is that? Right, it's like a right. mask people are wearing. Like exactly. I'm, like I'm tough, you know. But I, right. I like that those songs. And it, dude, well, the other day or the, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, two weeks ago, my my friend Brittany, she showed me like she put on this song. We we're in the car by Taylor Swift, and I was like, I was like, damn, I kind of like this song, you know? Yeah. And I and she downloaded it for me. Like without my knowing, and I just I listen to it every now and then. Like it's good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, look, everybody. It's it's really hard to write music and to put together, you know, songs and concepts and stuff. So, like, I think that, like, we do it because it's what comes out of us naturally, and we share it with those that like the same way the average person wouldn't walk down the street and just be like, ha, you look stupid point. You know, like that's just like not what someone does. Like that's kind of similar to what you're doing to someone's music when you're just like, I want to listen to that junk or whatever. You know what I mean? It's kind of like pointing a finger. And the truth is, is that, you know, there are ways to, you know, not listen to things or, or be okay. You know, I would just say, just do whatever you want. Cause no one really is going to do it for you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And then it's like, it's like just, you have to be your own. And it's taken me so long to realize this, but like, you're, 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 you're your best shot at whatever it is. You know what I mean? And I'm saying like, you're, nobody else is really going to, to be able to fulfill a, passion for you and and if it's specific types of music or a specific you know um thing that you want to accomplish it's you that really needs to get behind it so i think that it's good being open about different types of things that you enjoy whether or not the you know masses agree with it or not mm-hmm. absolutely i i i'm on board with that uh, so sunshine in the room, as I've come to realize, is you know, it's of course about your wife. Then, right? Yeah, is it's it's about really the inspiration for that song. I mean, there's nothing else. 
Is that- yeah, it's about that, but it's that. But for me, it's about that. But for other people, it's about it could be you know about their girlfriend. It's not you know I. I thought about her while I was writing it, but I didn't write it about her. I, I, I wanted to write a, you know, a love song because it feels good to do that. And uh, so that's so that's what I did. And, and that's and, and I tried to make it broad to the point where it could apply to anybody. Great. And then Good Life, of course, the song that is already out with uh, with our yeah. friend Kevin and uh that's just it's fantastic and you really get the sense that it it, it is a good life of course you know you know right. just the name but like the just the beat man the, yeah it's just kevin's awesome oh d- kevin produced it yeah. no way oh wow yeah. yeah that beat dude he he hit it out of the freaking park with that yeah yeah it's great but then you know just even the lyrics and you know as i was mentioning in the intro it's like you know, sort of reminiscing on your time in rehab, but then, you know, right. just the sunshine that life is outside of it now that you've come out clean. And uh, it, yeah. it's a really beautiful song. I love it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. And it was a rough time, but I came out of it and, and I wanted to write about that experience. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah that'll be there as well. JordanParis.com slash Judah. And Judah, what excites you the most about songwriting and everything you're doing right now? Um, I would say, uh, being able to, um, you know, hear, hear the completion of a song from like a voice note, I'll listen to like sunshine in the room or whatever, or even the voice note from good life and being able to reflect back on what was once a voice note and now a completed production and being able to see that I am in a place mentally where I'm able to complete like a body of work and a task without interruption. Like that's very exciting for me as a, as just like a person who's struggled with the inability to do that. You know, I'm excited about, you know, being able to also play shows and perform and do interviews and pursue my music. But for me personally, like I'm happy I finally got to a point where it could literally just like complete tasks and, and put out a full length album that took six months to record and you know is really meaningful and and it's meaningful yeah and thoughtfully written and yes, stuff like that it is very thoughtfully you know? written that's what i was going to acknowledge you about yeah. it's so thoughtfully written and like it's it's as i had told kevin with his music it's very similar and it's the reason that i like your music because I love this kind of music is music with a message, right? Right. With, yeah. with empowering lyrics a lot of the time. Like I really enjoy it. And I think it's, it's a fantastic service for the world for people to hear that because I, you know, as I had mentioned in that episode as well, like music is a really powerful tool that dictates how we feel and really even just, it's a part of our identity, I right. believe. And, yeah. and your music does positive change in in that area it's a very positive thing there because there's there's some music out there that's that that is very disempowering right sure so i have to thank you i I appreciate that that's really nice thank you of course so people can find you you know they go to you know look up judaholiday.com yeah yeah at judaholiday for everything um and you know judaholiday.com 
is where you know you can find my videos and you know upcoming tour dates or Spotify and Instagram, all that. Great. So my final question, Judah, we've talked about many things today. You know, if you could if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Would it be something, you know, about Adderall? Would it be like, you know, teaching, you know, the ins and outs of addiction and, and all that? Or would it be something else or create something creative? What is it? Um, I feel like it might just be that. Like, like I'd love to, I feel like I know overcoming addiction is something that like, I'd love to talk about. I love talking about it because like I survived it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, and others don't like people overdose and stuff like that, but I didn't. And I, and I got through everything that was put in front of me. And I'm here today and I'm like lucid and great. And I feel like if I were at, if I were like a professor at a college, I'd love to talk like about or, or teach about, you know, the, maybe like the, the hidden uh, side effects of, of, of stimulant medication or of combining certain things or maybe like, you know, stuff, something like that. Well, I have a follow-up question. If you had less than 30 seconds to, uh, you know, say something to somebody who's struggling to overcome addiction, what would you say to them? I would tell them to find somebody that they are um, extremely close with and to try and discuss with them, you know, the issue that they're having because nobody wants to get help immediately. So I would, instead of say, oh, go, go to a doctor... Find like a good friend. That's what I did. I found like a good friend to talk to who who like, who could just know that you're going through something hard and start there, you know, and, and, and then take it from there. Cause it's, it's very easy to say, go get help, you know, but get a little help from mm. a friend, you know, Judah holiday. You are the man. Thank you. Very Thank much. you so much for having me. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well and we will absolutely give you some love and then of course if you want to start your own podcast a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision you can go to jordanparis.com slash pu to get free access to podcast university all right i love you all so very much and until next time my friends make every day count Live to learn and grow to give.